Hello, friendies and friendos. We are checking out a brand new IP, new, well, not really new, but amazing new content uh, in your HBO Max feed, Dune, the brand new uh, Dennis uh, Villeneuve, Denny Villeneuve, I think is how he wants people to say it. Frank, uh, yeah. you watched this at home or did you go to the theater? I watched this at home, uh, but I, I did wait. So I could watch it on my proper TV setup with the the you know surround sound and everything because I was not at my house for a while and I was like I did can't. you watch with Megan? Yes, Megan actually watched with me. That's awesome. Did Megan like it? She did. She said she liked it more than she thought she would. Uh, yeah, which is actually a very similar sentiment that I had. Um, I just didn't know what to expect. You know. I Oh my god. I mean the trailers are one thing and the history of of all the iterations of Dune and 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 the the novel and everything. I mean I I just even with the podcast I was like I don't know maybe we'll cover it. It seems kind of like a big deal but I don't know. And then after watching it I'm like we have to talk about this. This is huge, man. It's huge. Um, uh I I love this. To me I was talking to you about this off air earlier, but like this is one of my new very favorite things. I think, you know, this came to me at like the perfect right time for me to be just like totally taken in by this universe and, and Arrakis and, and the whole thing. But wow, I'm like, I've I've seen the movie twice. I'm going to try to go see it in a theater if I can. It looks like it's out of, uh, major IMAX because of Eternals. Sure. Um, but I, I do really want to check this movie out in a theater because I think that the sound will be superior than my house. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's that's the downside, you know. I mean, a lot of the things that have come out on HBO Max this year, I, I've been, I've just said, you know, I'm going to watch it at home because it's here. Uh, and, you know, should I see this in the theater? I probably should. But it's hard to keep up with everything. As we were saying on our last episode, there are so many things coming out. Yes. Like Eternals is already out. And like I, I got to go see that. And if if I get that on time, maybe I'll go see Doom. But by that time, Doom may be gone. Right. Um, but yeah, man, this this is an accomplishment. Uh, and like. So I just want to say, like, if you haven't, if you don't know anything about Dune, we're going to talk a little bit about the general Dune universe and world today in a way that may give away some of the the parts of the movie that you may feel spoiled by. Um, We're not going to necessarily spoil the entire story of Dune or the Dune saga, uh, but we're going to be talking kind of, there's when you read Dune or when you watch Dune, there are so many brand new words (laughs) that become so much more important. (laughs) Um, And one of them is spice. and, And I think, you know, and, and Arrakis and, and also Dune. What is Dune? You know, what are what are we talking about here? What do you you came into this cold? So were all the new words distracting? No, because no, because of the way they did it. I'm I, again. I I felt like this movie had a huge lift to accomplish, and it could have yeah. like drowned in it all, but it, it, they. They handle it masterfully, like honestly, because I didn't know anything. And 
And now I'm like, okay, I feel like I get it. I know what's going on. That's, that was my biggest fear about watching Dune. I'm like, I've never read the book. I didn't see the original. I've only like done a little bit of research to like when the first trailer came out, I'm like, everyone seems to think this is going to be cool. Like, I don't know anything. And the exposition where they explain the universe and they explain this, the like, crawl without a crawl in the beginning of the movie. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, and, and it happens naturally and you, you don't feel like it's forced upon you. It's, it, it's like, I think because you're kind of learning things alongside Paul, like it, that, that's always a great way in, right. Having a, a character yeah. that's learning things. Um, yeah, that, that was a, a very smart way for them to handle it. Um, and and it, it's not just at the start, right? Like that's the other thing. If, if it was like this big info dump at the beginning of the movie and then you're like, wait, I have to remember all this stuff from here on out. Like, and you're going to expect me to No, they kind of piece it through out and they, they hold your hand, but not in an aggressive way. I'd be really curious to hear from like super Dune fans. <laughs> if they're like, if they're like, this is, this is what we've been waiting for. Or if they're like, I just want Dune. This is not what I. This is not what I signed up for. So, great question. So, I've been in a couple of major Dune Facebook groups for the past like three weeks now, um, which is a long time, and it was a lot of information. And from what I could tell, a good majority of the OG Dune fans are really, really happy. Okay, and that it seems like they really, while they don't necessarily love. Um, the the execution of of the continuation of the story, um, the major criticism people are throwing out there is that the ending of this movie, because it it does, it 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 does have a definitive you know climax, but it's not necessarily the high point of the whole story. There's much more story to go on, and it kind of ends abruptly. Whereas people are arguing that Lord of the Rings kind of does this better, mm. um, because of the way that certain beats of the story fully come to a resolution but that also don't begin um while the story is the movie is ending you know what i mean so that was interesting but the major i would say the majority of the dune, the dune fans really love this look they love this version and i, I think that they're kind of happy with the way that it, it really all shook out um because there's been lots of attempts to make dune content before um, got it. This movie, uh, this movie was based on a book that came out in the mid '60s, 1964. So you really, th when this book comes out, this is before major parts of the '60s are changing, before 2001: A Space Odyssey, um, and well before Star Wars. And it, there was a, a Jodorowsky movie, who's a sci-fi writer that had actual art from H.R. Geiger and Mobius, the guys who did Alien, and a whole bunch of other amazing graphic novels and artistry that they did back in the 60s and 70s. Then you had um, David Lynch, who makes a movie, um, and ultimately he hates this movie because it was ripped away from him in the editing room, and he was forced to do the entire Dune book in one movie, which is just way too much information for one movie. And it's just, it just they relies too much on voiceover, it relies too much on narration, and... It's generally hated by the main your Dune fans because it does it takes away some of the more awesome parts of the book in favor of hitting the main story beats and that kind of waters what is awesome about Dune down. 
Um, mm. But so this movie, um, you know, Villeneuve had said he's, you know, a big time Dune book fan and that he really wanted to kind of bring his version of Dune to life. And what we've seen from, a, a, you know, this director is we've seen, you know, Arrival, which is an amazingly moody alien contact movie that is just it's it's a magnificent piece of cinema. I then love it. It's a great, great, great movie. Then there's also um, Blade Runner 2049, another, I think it's a fucking masterpiece of a sequel for a major IP. Yeah, that's I. that's been on my list for so long to get to, and I own it. And I now after watching Dune, I'm like, I have to go watch that movie. Because, like, the main hang-up is I have seen Blade Runner. My wife has not. And so I'm like, I want to watch it with her, but I'm like, maybe we just need to do both, you know? And it's kind of like a it's a homework assignment kind of thing. But I might just go in because I've heard fantastic things about that movie too. It's really, it's really awesome. It's not like the OG Blade Runner that you can really watch a thousand times and you'll see something different and it's a different experience almost every time. This one is definitely, a, from the beginning to the end, you, you don't know what's going to happen, but once you get to the end... It's pretty profound, but there's none of that crazy nuances. The f- other one, uh, but it's still awesome, and the music is incredible. And the combination team of Villeneuve and Zimmer produces this really original kind of stuff. Whereas, I think in in Blade Runner, and you'll see this, he's really mimicking a lot of the old s- soundtrack. This stuff feels very new and different, and kind of his own take on it. There's also, I mean, the bagpipes. Everyone's talking about the bagpipes. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, it's interesting. So this is so this is set twenty thousand years in the future. They call it ten thousand ninety one because it's ten thousand years of the reign of the Padishah line of emperors. Oh, um, man, you got even more homework on me. I was like, it's ten thousand. What are you talking about? Okay. No, no, no. It's, so they it's reset actually, the timeline. Okay. They did because there's something in the in the books you learn about something called the Butlerian Jihad, and this is why there's no robots in Dune. No right? robots, no AI, no computers. It's no. all evolved versions of humanity in different iterations, and I just I love that. Like just even just to stop on that idea that like we're not gonna we're not toying with fucking Hal, we're not gonna be talking about. The Terminator robots. <laughs> no matrixes. There's no matrix. Don't even worry about it. These are all just different versions of what humanity could look like if it's been outside of our solar system for 20,000 years. And that is an incredible idea. And I, I just, so that part, <laughs> that part even is well, awesome. And I think it, it helps like keep it, well, A, it makes it unique. Uh, B, I think it also lets it kind of stand on its own in time a little bit better. Yeah. Um, you know, the idea that this move, uh, the, the book was written in the sixties, like obviously science fiction had always been thinking about different, different things, even up until that point, like AI wasn't new at that time, but I feel like Herbert's intention with that was like, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen in, in our future. And so, well, no, he, he does. It's that, yeah, it, it's that they, People use it's not even that it's AI robots. It's that people use AI robots against other other people and that you're no longer in the new Bible. You're not allowed to make 
thinking machines that can have the same capabilities as a man or in, in any version like thereof, right? So right. you can't have this anymore. And it's like, it, it's part of the, you know, this comes from the Bene Gesserit and the, and, and the Bene Gesserit are kind of, they're kind of like witches, but they're also kind of like the Jedi. They're also kind of like the Catholic Church and they have mm -hmm. kind of a really unique um, power position in the galaxy and I think when you meet uh, the Reverend Mother, um, it's really an amazing moment. It reminded me of Queen of Thorns from Game of Thrones. It yeah. reminded me of really great execution of, of, of a character like this. And, um, you know, they've been ultimately everything in the universe depends on spice. And spice is only found on Arrakis. You can't manufacture it. It's only there. And you have to mine it. You have to sift it through the sand. And then you collect it. And then you ship it off world. It helps with space travel. Um, the Bene Gesserit take it um, for their powers. Um, the, uh, uh, what do you call them? The, uh, what are the stupid, Mentaths. The Mentaths use... The sp right. spice juice. They're all so everybody's using the spice in all different ways, and it extends your life. So you're dealing with longer periods of time, um, and you're you know people are are living for hundreds of years. So the so just that Paul's fifteen, and they all could be however old they are because they've been taking the spice. We'll never understand that. Right. I, I guess that's what I was trying to say is that like. It, it separates um, itself from, you know, the, the, the Star Wars, the Star Trek, the other science fiction properties and that it, it's like it's setting a line in the sand. <laughs> Didn't mean to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Madib. Uh, that that we're only going to we're going to focus on these ideas We're we're not going to talk about like. Uh, things that haven't been in invented because like in our world, like yeah, AI is starting to get there or like we have the internet and they're not trying to like create this new thing. I mean, they're, they, they are, but they aren't um, that they don't want to mess with. They, they want it to be like, we're no, going to have protecting a, a, this dynasty in the way that it functions presently. Like they're not, they're not looking to evolve it in any way. Right. At this point in time. And, and I, but, I I think it will hold up better. Like, I think, again, like when we're talking, even talking about movies, like things will hold up because of its timelessness. Right. Like it's yeah. set so far in the future. And but things purposefully are mechanical. Whereas like looking back on the original Star Wars, you're like, well, but it doesn't make sense. Or like in, even the original Star Trek, they're like, why if they're so far advanced, like why is everything analog looking like here? There's like a specific in universe reason why well not only that but it it's you know this is hard sci-fi right yeah. there's a very big difference between hard science fiction writing and fantasy science fiction oh, which is star yeah. wars and it's it you know it's not designed to be logistical or thought out and which isn't to say that all of the dune stuff is necessarily you know pitch accurate in its in in and of itself right like Ultimately, you know, there's we're still swishing and zushing over how, you know, they travel from planet to planet. And then ultimately it's revealed that the Deus Ex Machina, the spice ultimately, is responsible for th uh, the Dune, the guild navigators and the spice combine 
to make these really mutated organisms and beings that are able to trans that are able to navigate through space because like in Star Wars you have to have a, a navigational computer so that you don't fly through a fucking sun or bounce too close to a star or whatever like you have to go correctly and like that's how they kind of josh over it later on and there's a lot of prequel material written about dune very similarly to star wars there's a it's mostly done by his son yeah um which is cool and like in the family and stuff and now it's currently number three on the new york times bestseller list oh shit really yeah, they ran out of copies, and now they're printing new ones because it's like they they sold so many. Um, and yeah, man, so uh, you have this really rich universe with these really complex rules and this really wonderful philosophy that's baked into it, which you know is it's like a more thoughtful force. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. I really, you know, it's just a little bit more. Imp- it's just a little bit further. Um, humanized because in the you can, we can't be Jedi ever, right? Like no. me and you wake up one day in the Star Wars universe, we can't be Jedi. But like theoretically, if we had been taught the ways and we had a Benny Gesserit mother and we were doing whatever, like you could probably learn these skills, and then it would be up to you with the Gom Jabbar to decide if you could keep your hand in the box or not. And like then you have to go on with the rest of your life. But like. That's what I kind of loved about it. Like, it just seems so we're in with Paul. We're feeling Paul's feelings in a way you never are really thinking about Luke's feelings super intensely. Yeah, I mean, everyone, you know, we feel everyone bad wants for him. to be a Jedi, but, like, I don't know. It, it, it feels way less tangible, like, even though they say all oh, the forces around all of us. Like, to be able to control it is not, you know, within our but like there's something tactile here where there's which i guess they tried to do with the midi chlorians uh that like yeah you know that there's a specific reason why it's like yeah you've got spice uh and that will unlock these abilities and this will you know unlock space travel and and all that um yeah i like i wag my finger at george lucas a little bit as watching this i'm like man you (laughs) Kind of stole a lot of shit from me. You kind of stole some shit. He really did. And the for the voice, the force, <laughs> sand crawlers, sand crawlers are exactly there. I mean, it's you know, a desert planet. Like, you, I mean, it's a hero's journey. That's always, but that's not that uncommon. Uh, but like, I don't know. I I saw like the fall of the emperor, the the a, a powerful emperoring evil the, emperor force, emperor force, the empire versus like. You know this. The Sardaukar are very similar to the clone troopers and the and the stormtroopers. I think the the Fremen are. I mean, I don't know enough, but I would think that that they're going to be some sort of rebellion. <laughs> they're definitely going to uh, be leading a, a rebellion. Well, of, they're not. They're leading a jihad. Um, there's this a is big a little purge of all these yeah. people that are important Jedi. Like I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's 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 right there, man. And I think. You know, well, there is there can be no limit probably to how many things have taken from Dune, you know. And then there was also a sci-fi series in the early two thousands about later Dune sequels uh-huh. about what happens after Paul. Um, so is that like a a quote unquote uh, sequel to the movie, or is it like completely separate? No, it would take place with. Um, Leto's so Paul has a son Leto and then his son uh 
is is Leto too, and he's a very powerful. Um, he's a really powerful entity, and uh, there in Children of Dune, and that's the TV show. Um, it's it's really it's it gets really really weird and freaky. It gets m- it it gets kind of more philosophical as time goes on. I understand, but I think the first two people really love Dune Messiah. Dune Messiah is supposed to be like the breakdown of sequels of all sequels, like the really craziest. I think Paul falls really hard from grace in this next book, which so I'm, cu- I'm curious about. Is but it like the Empire Strikes Back? It probably <laughs> is. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's very. It's there's six books that Frank wrote, and then there's endless books that his son wrote. Yeah, and there's you know, it's just I don't know. And then once you, I think the world building of this movie is really quite special in that it does have that really great. Um, when you're on Caladan, you really feel the wetness of that planet. Everything's gray or overcast. Uh, you know, you really feel that environment, and you're given such a a great, you know, setup. A good, like, good drink of water before you are thrown into the desert super hard. And I, I just love the. I don't know. It's so awesome. Um, in, in those sequences, some of the characters, um. Like J- Jason Momoa, du- Duncan Idaho, and um, Gurney Halleck, played by Josh Brolin, like they're just so awesome in this movie. And I mean, this cast is just stellar. It really is awesome. Like they really got the best of the best. Uh, you know, and and, the, and Oscar Isaac. I mean, he's just like he's just he's so badass, and you so believe he's the Duke and. I love his speech that he gives to Paul on the, you know, overlooking the the cemetery for yeah. the Trades house. Like it, it's just it's so moody but it's also so like fitting and and you feel their their connection to that planet and their the hunger for what's to come from being on Arrakis if they do succeed in the way that they plan. Um you know, it's just it's I mean and and uh, you know I, I like Timothy Chalamet in this. I don't love him. I think he's very good, and I think that like I'm con- and I like being impressed by his work. I never go into it being like oh, I'm si- so excited for him, but like when I see him and he's doing awesome, like he's really great. And there's a lot of this movie where he gets to be pretty awesome. Yeah, I I think um I think he was a good choice here. I I think he's he makes a lot of sense. Yeah, uh, and um. I agree with you. I I mean, I haven't seen a whole lot of his work, but I think like he's one of those actors that, I mean, he's so young that I think he's going to just do so much. And, you know, this, this is, this is like a really good test. Like if, if he didn't work again, like you need that lead character. Like if he didn't work, like this movie wouldn't work as well. No, it does. It does work with him. He's got, I think what's fun he's is not Hayden Christensen. He's definitely not Hayden Christensen. <laughs> and you know, Paul Atreides is is kind of a, an interesting moody character at the beginning and and when you you know when you go through um kind of his day and kind of see his world um you know, it's very it's very nice. He's a prince. You know, he's a, or he's the ducal heir, you know. He's got a lot of cool privileges. He doesn't get to hang out with anybody his own age. Yeah. But that you know he's got a he's got a pretty cool life. Um, yeah, he sure does. 
so do you, let's talk a little bit about what they call um, Paul Atreides in this movie, which is Quetzalcoatl Saderach. And the, um, the Quetzalcoatl Saderach is essentially a messiah legend. Right. right. He's going to be coming. Um, he, but this is, this is the, the Quetzalcoatl Saderach is the Benny Gesserit word for what Paul is. In the movie a couple times and in other places and in, in later in the in the story, he's also called the San El Haib, which is yes. the uh you know, the off worlder who's to uh the Fremen. Now I wanna talk about this part which is kinda gonna kinda give some of a little bit of what I think is interesting, but not everything. And I think that this is maybe like one of my most favorite parts of, of this is that the Quetzalcoatl Sadrak and Lasan al Haib, they're essentially the same idea, but they're accomplished not necessarily because Paul is like is the prophesied character like on purpose. Like it's uh it's so much more rich than that. It's that the Bene Gesserit has been working with something called the Missionaria Protectiva which is like their like missionary arm of the Bene Gesserit church to create these legends and ideas in the Fremen people so that they kind of engineer his messianic rise. And I think that's like, is that, has anybody ever thought that deep about this kind of story? It's like, that's it, huge. It takes like a, a second to wrap your head around, but yeah, I mean, it's it's like a self fulfilling prophecy in a way. Yeah, a hundred percent. But it's it on the grandest scale of all time. <laughs> you know, like like could you like? It's just so big. It's just, that's just such a huge. It's when they the idea that they're engineering this messianic figure, right? But it, also we learn in the movie and and you learn in the story that you know Lady Jessica played by Rachel Ferguson, she's not supposed to have the son, nope. right? She's supposed to have daughters because she is Benny Gesserit herself. And she's been teaching Paul the ways of the Benny Gesserit the whole time. And what is alluded to is that it's pot like um, you know, it's alluded that it's she's less than thrilled with her whole situation. Right. So so basically the Bene Gesserit are, are typically a sisterhood. It's all, all female. And so she's supposed to continue having uh, daughters and that the the Kiwat Satarak is supposed to be later down the line. Not quite yet. Like they, they're prophesizing him. He's supposed to come. But she has a son too early. And she's not even necessarily ready for this, uh, but she, nevertheless, she starts to teach him the ways of the Bene Gesserit, and um, to the point where he he undergoes that test, and he's kind of he's kind of a lot of ways like Luke, <laughs> you know, he's got the the one side of things like with with this with the the voice and learning their ways, but also like learning the ways of of his father. And and and, yeah. and and being a um, honorable uh, leader in from a like 
uh, monarchical like standpoint of, of ruling uh, people uh, in, in a way that's not like a, a lot of the other places in the universe. Um, so there's there's all these different places, and in the galaxy, there's a couple different major houses, kind of like Game of Thrones. If you want to understand what Dune is, it's essentially Game of Thrones in space, but it's not really ever in space for very long. There's no like real big scenes of them flying around on ships in outer space because they've solved that problem. They get places instantaneously. Yeah. So there isn't cool scenes on the Millennium Falcon or big dog fights in X-Wings. That doesn't it mostly happens on planets, on places. Right. And the major other place that we see in this movie is Gady Prime, which is the homeworld of the Harkonnens. And these are like the most excellent, great, badass bad guys, like in the history of like sci fi bad guys. Like they are just really excellent, disgusting people. And yep. <laughs> you you kind of learn um, if you go and watch the 1984 movie, you're going to get acquainted to that right away. In this movie, you know, um, Stellan Starsgard plays the Baron, and he's just, like, so fucking intimidating. He's and so it, gross. It's so disgusting, and, you know, ultimately he flies around because he's so fat he can't walk. Um, and he's just, it's it's incredible. And, it, and, the and effect- I guess it's also implied that he's probably really old, right? He's old, he's rich, and the Harkonnens have been on Arrakis for the last 80 years mining the spice. They control and have very good connections with the Spice Guild, and they are kind of um, in charge. And you kind of learn you learn in the movie uh, that even though the Harkonnens are leaving Arrakis, that's not necessarily the end game. Uh, and, you know, when you... Um, I, I think there's so many really fun sequences with um, the Harkonnen characters, you know, and also Dimitri, uh, what's his, what's the guy's name? The guy who plays Peter. He's in, uh, he was the polka dot man. Oh, um, David Dusmalchian. Oh my God. He's having a year, <laughs> man. Huh? Yeah. I was like, wait, is that him? He got, it's gotta be him. And it yeah. was, um, yeah. Oh my God. He's great. He's really, um, He's Peter or Piter, one of the he's the Mentath of um of the Baron. And he's he's really quite evil in the in in other places. He's not really he's kind of portrayed a little bit bumbling here, but even still, like the whole look of this planet and this world, like you in- immediately get like what's going on. It's like all black and steamy and gray and yucky and everybody's in plastic and silicon and latex. It's it, you know, it's kind of kinky, um, but it's also gross. So, like, take take from that with what you will. And there's and I'm sure that they're going to only enrich how disgusting and crazy the Harkonnens can be because they are really quite awful. <laughs> right. Um, and they're, you know, Vladimir Harkonnen, you know, the original idea was that these guys are very much based on the Soviets, um, you know, and and spice could be your illusion for you know allegory for oil or drugs or whatever you have mostly oil is probably a good one and it, you know they have a total handle on it and and they deal very um, differently with House of Trades um, 
you know, than some of the other planets because and the Baron fears um, the rising House of Atreides in the Imperium, which they with the Empire in uh, Star Wars, the Imperium in Dune. Right, and when they it, they talk about the Imperium like in a way that it's like equivalent to the galaxy. Like they don't say the galaxy; they say the Imperium because like it's a, right. it's implied that every everything that of the known universe galaxy whatever wherever people are is within this imperium and that there's no there's no exceptions really there's right. no outer you rim you, you're not yes. in the unknown regions you're if you're alive here you're you're in, under their control no you're right in in you're you're very correct and the Imperium also has something called the Landsrat. The Landsrat functions as kind of like the intergalactic um, council. It's not really a Senate or a or you know or like a House of Representatives. It's more like a you know, uh, it, it's more like a you know a Rotary Club. And then they have the Chome Company, and the Chome Company is you know run by the spi- the you know the space guilds. Is it's really it's really in depth. Man. It's, <laughs> it's really, really deep. I mean, and the the thing is, like in this movie, yeah, you really only learn about the two houses, but it's implied that there are many others. Yes, um, that there are. We see several planets, but there are more places in this Imperium, and that there is some sort of center to it. Uh, that you know, the reason why we're we're focusing here is Arrakis is the is the key because it has yeah, yeah. spice. And so um so can you clear up for me? Yeah, absolutely. So House Harkonnen, they were rulers of Arrakis for so long. Correct. Now, why was it taken from them and why was House Atreides put in in place? Is it just because they 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 thought that Harkonnen was becoming too powerful and they want or too wealthy and they wanted to level the playing field, or I I believe I know a, a reason, but I just want to make sure. <laughs> no, it's you're close. It's um it's really the emperor, and the emperor um gets pressure um that Atreides' house is becoming more favorable, and that he's you know, becoming a, a richer person. So he feels that if he can kind of get rid of House Atreides, um, that, and he can then reinsert the, uh, the Harkonnens, um, he won't lose favorability, but he also, but it's also can't be that he can't be seen. Right. So he has to be, he has to use the Harkonnens to, you know, create this, um, illusion that you know it's really just this ancient feud between these two houses because of you know something that happened thousands of years ago whereas now um you know the emperor wants to continue to rule and continue to control spice and control the way that the spice operates and they are also they do deal in these in this kind of religious work because everybody kind of pays some part of their respects to the Bene Gesserit because the Reverend Mother is the truth sayer of the Duke, uh, uh, not the Duke, of the Emperor. 
Right. So when whenever he's having counsel, she's right there monitoring the people who are, you know, requesting or saying what they're saying to make sure that they're telling the truth or not. And they can kind of, they can't really read your mind. It's more of a they can read you. And what they are able to do is use their kind of sciences and, and their witchcraft to kind of manipulate you into kind of doing what they want to do. Right. Um, so, you know, right. that's how important and, and, and big they are. So it, it is, it's both. It's not only the emperor, but it's also the Bene Gesserit because there are kind of two different, you know, what the Duke wants and knows about what Paul is about to do and what Lady Jessica knows about what Paul and what Paul's about to do are there are two different things. <laughs> you know, I don't think the Duke ever really understands that Paul is supposed to be the Quisat Satirac. Right. He he's a, he's going there with the assumption that I mean he's gonna do his best to take over the spice trade and uh you know do give give the people a better condition of life than they had right. under the Harkonnens. He wants to be uh, he's very truthful and uh he's very Ned Stark. He's very very Ned Stark. Oh you God. know, anytime you think about a decision Ned Stark would make, this is what the Duke Leto would be doing. Abs- and, and absolutely. And he wants to, you know, make peace and have an alliance with the Fremen um because he believes that that's ultimately going to allow them to just make more spice and it, you know he's not necessarily wrong about that but uh you know arrakis isn't you know what you go uh, arrakis is is the like the way arrakis is on purpose right it they need the spice so there are things about arrakis that ultimately you know through other ways the galaxy could transform you know arrakis into a more livable planet but because they can't manufacture the spice nor is it eco- you know economically profitable to change the planet they have to keep it they keep it this way and um, isn't there um there's also a connection to the worms right like, oh yes, there is. So and I'm so glad there we brought them up now because because it's not like they could just be like, well, we gotta get rid of the worms, uh, so we can take get the the spice easy. Like it, without the worms, they don't have the spice either, right? So so okay, so you don't. So I've done a little bit of more research on this, but just to kind of clarify for you, because I'm sure you're curious, like yeah. the it's there is a symbiotic relationship between the worms and the spice. Um, it's not direct. Okay, so when the uh, worms are small, they're called sand trout, and they kind of, you know, excrete the spice, and then they bury deep underground, and then they reemerge as Shai Hulud, the big sandworms, the big, you know, some of them they measure in the book, you know, or in the movie they say 400 meters in length. That's really fucking long. That's f- like four football fields. Yeah. All right, that's, you know, it's really, really big. Um, so, you know, uh, think about a, a, you know, a Navy ship or a skyscraper, <laughs> like, moving through the, the sand around you. Like, they're, they're massive. And they protect the spice plumes um, when it comes up through the sand. And they, you know, they're just so 
rich like it's they they move through sound they use sound waves to move through the, the sand and that they are called to the different you know places where the spice is being mined by the rhythm of the sand crawlers um yeah. and in this universe there's no guns um because everybody has personal shields so you have a, sh- a shield on your belt or on your wrist in the movie um that when you turn it on you can't be shot by anything so they have very different kinds of projectile weapons and most of the fighting is hand-to-hand combat right and you can't use shields in the desert because it sends the worms into a killing frenzy because it's also has to do with sound and frequencies and stuff right (laughs) um and yeah man i i really love the design of shai halud in this uh in this move in this movie man they're really, really awesome. Well, they look more like lampreys. They and I think again, it's something that you got to do with, with in this movie. You have to tease it along, right? Like, you, yeah, until you finally get that full shot uh, towards the end of the movie, uh, you just see see the ground moving and and you know it's a huge threat and you know what's coming. They talk about them and and um, but yeah, it's. It's it's and it, again it's it's the um, the man versus nature kind of thing. It's like this thing is here and you you need it. Well, there's <laughs> yes. So you can't just so th- yeah get rid of them. No, you can't. And they're you know they're just so awesome. And and I'm like I love how far they penetrated into like uh, culture that like they're just in Beetlejuice like the sandworms from Dune. Yeah. <laughs> Like, are just in Beetlejuice. Um, That's got to be what he thought, you know? Like, here's some sandworms. They move around. They have crazy heads. Perfect. Um, Yeah, man. I I love them, and and I'm really happy with the execution of them. You know, they are holy. They are sacred, and I think that they are given that kind of presence, and, like, when they're on on screen, like, like, like Jaws, like, you don't. Yes. You're right. You don't see it for the f- a f- long part of the movie, and then when you finally do, you're like, "Holy shit!" Um, yeah, man. He, it, there, it's, it's right, really. I, it, I can't wait to see it in a theater, and I wish it was like OG times where we could see this in our favorite theater, yeah, and like, and just being totally immersed in that moment, you know, like totally on Arrakis with them, <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and that was kind of what I was saying before we started recording. Like, I, I think. This movie is coming out at such a like difficult time, um, and I'm really, really, really glad that the the that the people out there in the world have gone to see it in theaters or have seen it on HBO Max, and it's getting a great reception. So much so that they have greenlit part two. Um, and that they're going to be filming it. Uh, sometime next year, which is fantastic. Uh, because that was my other hesitation going into this movie. I'm like, do I want to learn all this stuff and get invested in this whole thing? If it's only half a story. Um, so yes, it's, it's I, so I might've been it. waiting for that. And once I got that, that confirmation, I was like, all right, I'm in. Well, it's got our, it's got our boy. It's got Hans. I mean, yeah. I mean, he just, he rocks man. And this soundtrack rocks. And the music throughout the movie, the sounds, the different instruments, the choir, it's just, it's otherworldly, it's haunting, Um, you know, it's, 
I don't know, man. I'm excited to see what he what happens next. You know, he made these fucking bagpipes rock. I'll tell you that. It's just so cool, man. Like yeah. I know bad bagpipes are just like, but it's twenty two thousand years in the future, and bagpipes are still a thing. Well, there's bagpipes. There's coffee. Yeah. Um, Doctor Yo speaks Mandarin. Um, you know, to Paul at the beginning of the film, you know, there's things that are going to survive Fucking that are ancient. Duncan, Idaho, Idaho, Duncan, Idaho. It's yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it's a sci-fi. I mean, you got to have some kind of cool ass name like that. Damn. We had Han Solo. This yeah. is Duncan, Idaho. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, huh, huh, huh. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah, man. If you're a sci-fi fan, I say definitely go check this out. I think you're going to be thoroughly invested in the world building um i don't think this movie is great for kids no um it's pretty dark and kind of twisted there's some really creepy uh stuff that happens in this movie it's pretty and violent and it's a, it's a, it's a very very violent and i don't i don't know the themes are, are quite adult <laughs> quite adult and and like you know again we're only talking about this this film, um, not you know necessarily the rest of the story, but um, the part one cast is going to be quite different from the part two cast. Yes, um, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be true. But but there's going to be a couple people who who return, and they'll be and they'll be very different. Um, yeah, uh, you know, Rachel Ferguson will be back. Yeah, you're going to have. Um, other people who um you like surprises that are going to be fun uh and then you know you also have you know javier bardem who's really badass and awesome zendaya who only got seven fucking minutes in this movie i, I was gonna say i mean she's uh basically a bunch of visions That's she it. is definitely a bunch of visions it, you know in she's she's you know I don't know yet. I have to learn more about what happens with her in the book, but ultimately she's kind of just uh, some visions for a big part of it. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's very different, you know, kind of execution. And I think she's going to get a lot more to do in the sequel. Yeah. And I think we're going to see a lot more, you know, it's going to be a lot more Fremen based. So we'll see, uh, you know, we'll be, it'll, you'll be fully on Arrakis for most of the movie with probably a couple of pullouts to go to Gidi Prime and maybe, where the emperor lives. Um, right, and, we and don't maybe, meet the emperor at all here. No. Right? And that was a really awesome fucking move on their part. I think that's like fucking brilliant. Cause now we get to imagine who the emperor is going to be. Um, and I'm very excited to see who they pick because let me tell you, the Padishah emperor is supposed to be an imposing motherfucker. <laughs> and he's, you know, he's from house, he's from house Carino. Um, you know, his daughter is princess Irulan. Uh, there's, this is the most rich sci-fi universe I've ever really dipped my toe in. And I haven't really read hard sci-fi in a long fucking time. So like, I think to kind of be so into it now is, is different. And, and, you know, it's also, so the, the philosophy of it, I think is really rich, you know, kind of the way that, um, the, Fear is the mind killer stuff. That whole passage is is really powerful to me. Um, yeah, man, I haven't gotten to talk about Dune, so this was like a lot of stuff that I really just wanted to talk about. Yeah, no, I mean, like we just watched it yesterday, and I I, I was I've been thinking about it a lot today, and 
shout out to my colleague Jason who like I think after the first weekend or whatever had said he saw it like five times <laughs> and was like dude you have to watch it so um you know may maybe maybe we'll have him on and and talk more dune as I learn more uh but like it's just it's so rich I think um I think the other thing about this movie that's kind of embedded in its um just like I don't know, it just with the voice, right? And how sure, yes. And how how Paul is learning, the, the, like not unlike Luke, uh, yeah, uh -huh. and, uh, is learning it throughout. But it's not it's not like he's seeing a definitive future because I think that's what's so cool. Like we see all these shots, right, of uh -huh. uh, going through the film, and like at, at one point, I'm like, oh. We're gonna see Duncan Idaho, Duncan Idaho fight in a hallway. And it's probably not gonna be a good thing, right? Like because we see that, but then we see later on, like he's this other guy that uh, is supposed to be his friend, right? Uh, one of the Fremen, and he's like, he oh trust him, go through, go with him. But he ends up being the guy that he duels, right? And so yeah. you can't completely trust what you're being shown to be true. Um, That's true, and but the but one key thing that kept coming up is 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 Johnny Shawnee. I don't know, figuring that out that she no, was gonna yeah. be there and be important to his journey. For sure, and and I think that the next you know uh, the Quizat Sadarak the, the 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 real main power of the Quizat Sadarak is that you have the the kind of the Doctor Manhattan power, the ability to see both backwards and forwards in time presently right to okay. exist beyond the fourth dimension right like that time is is less relevant than than you are you can travel not necessarily that you can travel but that you can send your mind backwards and forwards through time um this is really the main power that they're trying to evolve this next level of humanity to okay um so like th that's why he has he hasn't mastered this yet. He's still learning how to do it, and you know the voice is really you know the old Jedi mind trick. You yeah. know you know it's really <laughs> you the these droids are not the droids you're looking for on a very different level. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, and it's really I love that whole sequence. Actually, the Dune Facebook group I'm in, the pilot actor the guy who gets up and tries to kill lady jessica um he like jumped on he's like hey this is me this is uh, you know this is my shot this was my time on the set and like it was like this so the coolest thing and there have been actually other people like you know because there's thousands of people who work on these movies so like they've been jumping on and being like this is so cool to see and like you know and they're really proud of this amazing thing that they're a part of and it's uh, I'm so excited to see where it goes from here. I think it it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting, and I'm very excited to, uh, you know, be just starting it now because I it's it's just so awesome. And how cool of a time is is it that, you know, we we can still be blown away by shit. You know, like yeah, I, th I don't I, I don't ever want to lose that. I think that's a great way to put it, man. Like, 
to be able to to go, you know, this isn't even a new property, right? Like, like we talk about how everything's adaptations or sequels or franchises, whatever. But like this, this property never really got its chance to shine. And there is so, it's such a rich one um, that like, I don't know. You can only go up from here, right? Like this. Yeah, I I do think that. I think that you're going to find in this what they were going to be able to do, you know, with these movies is, I think, you know, again, make something that's epic, that stands the test of time, like Star Wars. I think it will be, it will be among, it really, I do really think so. Unless they, unless Messiah really fucks with people or they fuck with the story itself. But I don't think that's going to even be it. I think the main thing is that, you know, Frank Herbert wrote these books about, you know, uh, charismatic leadership. So just because we see Paul being the hero now doesn't mean that he's always the hero. And it's definitely going to be interesting to kind of see, you know, because I don't know the whole thing, you know, where, um, where, where, where we go next. I'm I'm just so there. I'm so invested in that and and like even though the movie ends on such a weird note where you really are about to continue on you know what's next for Paul and like it's kind of a big scene in the book but you know this uh I really do think like this next movie like maybe even these one or two part movies like this is going to be the epic that like it's just it's going to be the the end of the next movie is going to be wild. Well, and so that's what my my where I'm kind of thinking from here, right? So, uh, we've seen a lot of two part movies in the past. I don't know, ten years or so, right? Like Harry Potter did it. Uh, we did it with um, Hunger Games. Like arguably, the MCU did it, um, and and now we have it here. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things that's hard. Like, how do you make a story? Like, film is so specific. You know, it's like you sit in the theater, you get down, and you, and you watch it, and you leave, and beginning, middle, and end. That's what it's supposed to be. Uh, but a lot of times now, it's like there's just too much content in this story that they want to tell. It needs to be uh, told over a longer period of time that... We can't make people sit in the theater for five hours. <laughs> so no. I'm all for part two of Dune, the original novel being realized here on screen. Uh, do we feel that the rest of the uh, like if they're going to if Dune part two is just as successful or even more because maybe by the time it comes out in theaters, everyone's back and it makes a billion dollars, you know? Uh, yeah. I think part two is going to be a huge cinematic thing. It's going to be a huge moment in the culture. I think Dune is going to be, it's going to be one of the, it, this, this movie is, is changing the culture right now. We don't get to see it because it's not Yeah, like, it, it's just, it's not like the old world, but it really is. It's going to penetrate so deep. It's going to go. I think this is, I think this is the next big thing. I really do. I, I agree with you. I guess where I'm leading towards is, will the sequels be able to stand alone or are we going to have... No, you're, it's going to need to have... Well, Villeneuve said he wants to do... Th- the first two movies are the first book and that the third movie is going to be the second book. 
Now, if he's going to do the whole second book in one shot, we don't know. Okay. But ultimately, people do really love Dune Messiah. And that it, even though it is as technical as it is to read Dune, it does change the general expectations of what you get in a sequel. And it, it was like kind of a cool thing. I, I'm, I'm to understand. It was also came out like as a book. Like it was after he had had the success of Dune that they were like, all right, go again. <laughs> you know? Okay. So and Dune Messiah is the second one. Correct. Okay. So, I, yeah. So we'll see what he does. You know, it that could be cool. It could be cool to see, you know, kind of a sequel to the first two movies in a way that you've never really seen that kind of like a different kind of a trilogy. Yeah. You know, um, we'll see. I, 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 I think the, like my favorite character so far has been this character named Liet Kynes and they changed Kynes in the book, in the movie to a woman. And I think it was kind of cool because they kind of added to her kind of ability to be deceitful. Um, and Kynes, like, knows all about, you know, living with the Fremen. He knows about the way that the, the spice mi- mining and manufacturing goes. And he's just, like, this really knowledgeable character. I hope that that person comes back, whoever played her. She was pretty good. Really? Um, yeah, I like I I want to see. Oh no, she's dead. Right, she got eaten by. <laughs> she's dead. Yeah. I I think like I don't know. There. I don't remember that. Maybe I haven't gotten that far. I didn't know. I don't know if she if he. I don't remember if he died in the other one. I think he. I think Liet Kynes lived in the first one. Um, I don't. Yeah, it's it's just a crazy. I'm, and then they're gonna take their own liberties too. You know, they uh, like right. They're gonna There's have to update things. Uh, to to make sense for this movie, um, and and you know for better or for worse, that's just like what happens when you do an adaptation, right? Um, but there's also in this world there's flashbacks and there's visions and stuff, so you never know. You never know. I ho- I think Oscar Isaac will be back in some vision or something. Or I gotta or imagine. You know he's he was so good, and and Lady Jessica is also going to change a lot. She goes through a big change in the next part. Um. Yeah, I don't know, man. I would go, listen, if you like sci-fi, you like movies, you like space, maybe you like space enough that you've seen, like, Alien. Like, uh-huh. that would, I would say that would be, like, a good, like, if, if you've never seen Alien, this is going to be pretty hard sci-fi for you. Uh-huh. You know, it's not like the post-apocalyptic YA fan fiction they've been pumping out for the last 20 years. You know, no. it's not like Hunger Games at all. No. You know, this is about something really, really different. And if you've seen Alien and you, you kind of liked Alien and, that, and the world that that kind of exists in, I think you're going to like Dune. So um, the, the yeah. last thing I want to talk about, we didn't even put on really on the notes, but. Oh, sure. I just think the design of this movie is just. Just unbelievable, outstanding, like. Yeah, it it just blows your mind. So just like looking at all of the ships, uh, looking at all of the, you know, devices, the things that they have, uh, the costumes, it's just so elegant. And, um, you know, I think what's so cool about a lot of the the technology that they have 
is it just looks so seamless, right? There's, whereas, I mean, except for the ornithopter. Ornithopter. (laughs) It's a hard word to say. Yeah, it's a stupid word. Um, That, you can clearly see the blades moving, blah, blah, blah. But all the other things, it's like, you don't see the jet engines. You don't see, um, uh, you know, uh, some flame or something that's pushing them along. It's just like it, the the way things uh, levitate, similar in yeah. Star Wars, where you have things just like float. Uh, but it's just like the the clean edges and just it, and especially like even on my own TV, it looks great. It's seamless. It's the CGI is done in a way that's not. Uh, it's that doesn't have that shine. It's just like it looks like it's there, you know. It has um, the same. It has the feel of like you're in an old castle in the future. Like it's it's a hard look to pull off, which is something that Star Wars has a hard time with, which is the old future. You know, like yeah. it's really what makes Star Wars have its kind of look is that it it looks lived in. It didn't look so super shiny and clean. Whereas when you're in Caladan and you see the walls, you're like, this, these are some old ass walls. When you go to uh, Arakeen and you're in that little um, city for a couple of um, minutes, like you feel that this is like an ancient like tomb, you know, city. Like it's been buried out here in the desert for so long. Um, the date, the date palms, they're great. Uh, the I really like the look. Of, I think the ornithopters are done really well. I really love the sand crawler carryall sequence. Um, super exciting um, and really, you know, really epic. Uh, who else was, you know, I, 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 like I said, the costumes. I think the co- the costumes. I, I think. <sighs> hmm. Okay, I I think that the, this. Uh, here's what I'll say about the costumes. I think that the costumes on Caladan and the costumes when they're hanging out on Arrakis are cool. Um, I think that the, uh, just for my taste, seeing the older movie, they kind of went a little bit, I think that the still suits look a little bit more generic in this version. Sure. I think the the Lynch still suits had kind of a futuristic, wacky kind of sheen to them, but they were also, I think, it these look more utilitarian. Like, I'll definitely give them that. You know what I mean? Like, it looks more like something that the Fremen manufacture, which is what you want out of a still suit. Like, that's the whole point, is you want it made by the Fremen people. Otherwise, you're you're not going to survive. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And the... I, I don't know. I, I, li- I, I liked them... I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm mostly thinking about when they land on Arrakis and... And uh, you know, oh, when they come out of the ship, they come out yeah. of the ship, or or even when the the herald lands on um, Caladan, Caladan, yeah, that's an epic, epic I, shot. They just and, like, the costumes are just so elaborate and so yeah, and, so and you could see the stitching. They 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 spent a lot of time and money to make sure that these looked like heavy, heavy look luxury fabrics. You know, right. like. Mm-hmm. beautiful space materials we don't know about, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I you know, I think that the... I didn't love the look of, like, in the battle sequences, there's some of this, like, golden armor. Didn't love that so much. That kind of looked a little generic to me. I thought the Sardaukar looked really awesome. 
Um, but I'm I'm curious to see like how they change up the Harkonnen for the next movie. Um, I think that they could do you know maybe a little bit more uh, dark and scary because um, we know that's what they kind of are, and they kind they looked a little bit just like they're on the black football team. <laughs> um, but that's okay. A- and you know what? The look of the uh, Harkonnen technology in the beginning of the movie, um, their spice manufacturing machinery, super Mobius, super H.R. Geiger, like really cool. A- and, uh, you know, f- uh, that, <laughs> I don't know. I just think that they're like, they, they killed it. Like everybody working on this movie, like loved it. And that they they gave so much fucking thought and fucking thoughtfulness to this movie that like something like, you know, one of these other YA sci-fi novels like could never fucking ever have. No. You know, it's just, it's got, it's got such style and like the, I don't know the, the, the political elements of it, I think are really, you know, they speak to the times, but it also speaks to a place where like, it's not just that the women's like have a different purpose. It's they have a completely separate agenda. <laughs> like, it, like they have a completely other thing going on that the men more or less have nothing to do with. And they're like, it, with the exception of Paul, who's not really a man yet, you know, like it, it's just, I don't know. It, I, I can't wait to see how deep it goes. I think people are going to really embrace it. And, and I think it's going to lead. There's already, um Hyperion is another kind of hard sci-fi epic that looks like it's being greenlit. It look there's another book called The Inkle which was uh Jodorowsky who was the guy who was going to make the first attempt at a Dune movie. Um he f- it failed, but he went on to r- co-write this um graphic novel with um Mobius on the first two books and then ultimately with a different guy on the third, but they're going I'm we're going to be seeing a, I think a lot more original or different kind of sci-fi IP than we've seen for a little while. I think people understand that the general sci-fi audience is bored with Star Wars, Terminator, and Alien. Well, and and then the other one that, like, I keep coming back to is, like, is Ender's Game and how that, you know, that also has a whole bunch of sequels and it's a a big, uh, in terms of the books, um, and that's a big uh, universe there. And they tried to make that movie. I, I saw it, but that guy's an asshole. So <laughs> like who was an asshole? The writer, the, the writer, I think. Um, yeah. You know, you're allowed to like things that these assholes make. Like I still really love the movie signs, but I think Mel Gibson is an anti-Semite, you know, like Michael Scott card. Like, yeah, he's super gay, anti-gay but he like he really he wrote these good books and like you know you can kind of we can separate you could say both the only person you really can't is bill cosby bill cosby's kind of the exception (laughs) you know like (laughs) you rape 38 women you don't really get to come back from that we weren't we i can't think you're funny anymore um especially when it goes against the whole comic persona you were trying to be but you can still like ender's game that's okay and yeah and like I guess what I'm saying is that like that movie iteration didn't make it. And for whatever reason, that time wasn't right. Uh, Where, whereas like it could have been, and they could have made and could have had a whole saga of, of films after that. I think Dune is different. Um, 
Well, I think Dune is really for us because yeah. for us, we've only ever seen the things that Dune inspired. We've never really watched our generation, you know, even the sci-fi show in the mid-2000s. That's not aimed at us. No. You know, that's aimed at 30, 40 year old guys at that point. Like this is, you know, <laughs> living in their parents' basement. <laughs> like, you know, they're doing it to us. But like this is after Star Wars. This is after. And Warner's w- is smart to do this because you know what? Like it's, it's in a break of Star Wars, too. Like that's Yeah. Pretty, and no, did you see you see Rogue Squadron got delayed? Yeah. That's not coming out. That movie's not going to get made. It's not going to make get made. No, it's definitely not. And I, I think I th- they also lost faith in um, Patty. Patty, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, it's it's really brilliant, and and I think that you know Warner's is smart in that, you know, theoretically we wanted smarter superhero movies. That's what started this whole fucking thing in the first place, and it, you know th- we got a little bit smarter. Then they kind of changed a lot, but. You know, then they then it went from being smart and being realistic to being interconnected, which are kind of two different things, right? Like, the movies don't necessarily have to be smart to be interconnected, but they, you know, they they we can't deal <laughs> with any kind of superhero movie that isn't connected, right? Right. Whereas now, like, we sci-fi is at a hit a hard couple of rocks the past couple of years. And now to see this and to be like, okay, this does have IP behind it, but trust me, it's really deep and most people aren't going to crack the big book. So let's go fucking crazy. And, you know, they they're going to they're going to succeed with this. And I, you know, there was even a line of like McFarlane, like remember, like when he made like the spawn toys in the mid 2000s, he did a whole Dune line. Really? Like there's going to be Dune. There's going to be Dune toys. I think there's going to be. In the, in the way that like we got when we were kids, they would market to us, you know, like, on you know on TV to like buy these like cheap ass action figures. They're gonna be marketing us on social media to uh, buy these expensive ass action figures, <laughs> you know. And it's it's gonna be the the same thing. I think it it really is. It's such an escape. Like we've been so grounded on Earth with all this Earthbound shit. Even with the MCU is Earthbound now, you know, kind yeah. of with the way that. Uh, I think that we're going to see COVID to re- be a metaphor and an allegory for the snap in a lot of ways. You know, I think the MCU is very grounded to reality. And I think that if you really want to escape, you know, the Star Wars sequels, th- sure, they, they're they pretty, <laughs> you know? They're, they're, best, not g- they're, they're pretty, but they're dumb. <laughs> they're, they don't have any fucking, they don't have any fucking juice behind it the way this thing does. Yeah. This thing's got some juice. This thing has some like philosophical considerations, like, yeah. like you know, and and yeah, potential. In my opinion, like, well, like from a critical standpoint, like I think this thing can get nom- nominated for shit. It's that. Oh, it'll good. get some major technical stuff. Yeah, it, it it'll definitely get nominated for sound and um you know makeup and uh and the costumes and stuff yeah i don't think i don't think timothy or i don't think any acting nominations except for right except for rachel ferguson um because she's just she has so much more advocacy in this movie like it's just it's night and day from the last one where like lady jessica is given some stuff to do but you don't get to see the nuance where in this one like you really do get to see the nuance and you kind of understand a little bit more about 
her character and i think that they will kind of ex- explore more of that you know there's a reason why she's not in the benny jesuit <laughs> you know like mm. she's doing other stuff you know she was meant to be she you know lady jessica doesn't know who her parents are because of the benny jesuit like they keep that secret to milled bloodlines across the galaxy dun, like dun, dun. you know like it's just it's crazy and and it's it's amazing that the, he wrote this amazing female character and this entire part of female characters. It's 1965. Like this is major pre-feminism stuff. This is a first. That's first. That's before first wave feminism. Like that's wow. major. Yeah. Like and he had a whole. These characters have advocacy. They have wants and needs and desires in a way that Princess Leia fucking doesn't. Yeah. You know totally. she's she's similar. She's not even really that similar to Princess Irulan, who will learn about later on but it's it's not the same it's not the same thing no um i don't know man is, is there anything else about dude you want to ask or you think we didn't cover that the the other folk may want to know um not that i want to ask i mean i think it's kind of like i'm in now i probably want to rewatch this i think there's like so much there that i think a second time through would really uh you know make it sink in uh, whether that's in theaters or back at home. Again, I'm not sure depending on how time and, and, and things go. Um, I would also like to read the book. I would also like to read, uh, to watch the David Lynch one. I'm even curious about the other ones. Like give me more. I want to kind of experience it and, and see, cause like between now and the next movie, I want to know, I want, I want to understand and, and, and kind of like, be ready for like I want to be on the same playing field as like a lot of the other people that have like lived and breathed Dune for their their lives, <laughs> you know. Yeah, man, I, I think that that's definitely doable. I would highly recommend. I would watch the Lynch movie. I think you and I have similar tastes in like nostalgic old movies that like you can kind of forgive some of the effects for some of the other effects. Sure, you know, and that movie definitely has it. I think where that movie falls flat is you're going to see just how the the exposition in that movie is is just be it's just beyond it's it's beyond anything you've ever experienced <laughs> because they have to move s- the story so far so fast. Um but it's definitely worth the watch and it's definitely got a look and a vibe that Dune always has. Like Dune is a vibe. It's such a vibe. Like it's not it's not like anything else. It, it really, it really isn't. And in the way that it's so specific and it's been codified and you know interpreted and um, and reused in different ways, like the way that the sandworms penetrated pop culture, the way that this influenced Lucas, like this is the I think this is what the major you know th- foundation is also big on Apple TV Plus. It's another big sci-fi thing, but. I think this is going to be the one everyone's talking about, and I can't wait to continue dreaming about it, and I'm going to go listen to more of the audiobook right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, folks, this was a whole Dune episode. Um, we hope you go check out the movie. It's probably still in theaters. It may not be in IMAX. We're sorry about that. Um, Frank, where can the people find us? Well, you can find us on our website at www dot longlostheroes.net you can email us at info at longlostheroes.net uh, you can find us on Spotify on Apple on Google Podcasts and Stitcher um, Long Lost Heroes Podcast 
You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LLH Podcast. Uh, you know, give us some comments, what you thought of Dune, ratings, reviews, uh, and anything else that we've been covering lately. We just did podcasts on uh, What If and Venom, uh, Let There Be Carnage. We're going to do one on Eternals. That's coming soon. Uh, lots of stuff left for the rest of the year. AJ and I are trying to crank it out before. We're doing as best our- as we can. At before the babies come. <laughs> so, uh, anything else for you tonight, bud? No, I'm good, man. Uh, this was a very fun one. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for indulging me in my doingness. I appreciate it. I can't wait for ZB to see it. I, um, I was going to say, this is a ZB I've been, movie. Yeah, I've texted him. I've been like, dude, this is my new favorite thing. you got to go watch this movie. And he's yeah. been really, really busy on an amazing project, so I, I, I totally I, don't blame him. I will hit him from the other side, so he, he he's like, "Oh, really? Okay, both of you? Okay." <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think if he gets for both of us, he'll he'll go check it out. Yeah. All right, guys, have a good night or a good day or a good morning. We'll see you soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.